listening to Fox Sports Radio. This is Straight Out of Vegas. With the voice of Vegas, your host, R.J. Bell. The pregame show America has always wanted. I doubt the future. I From the Vegas Strip, here's R.J. Bell. Always good to be here, RJ. And yes, on a day in which we've got the top seeds making a statement last night in the NBA. Another full slate of NBA playoff games all throughout this Friday. What is the Vegas lead for us here today? Fez losing. Blazers. That's right. The Blazers, Fez's team, uh, came up just a tad bit short in their <laughs> Game 2 effort against the L.A. Lakers last night. 111-88 was the final. A dislocated finger for Dame Lillard and a series tied at one game apiece. All right, so here's the thing. We can have fun with it because I thought it was a horrible bat. And it's more that when... He won that first game, just the swagger. So I'm just going to let you explain how you're feeling right now with your Blazers pick. I'm not feeling good at all. I know Dame broke his finger, dislocated it. But I'm going to be honest. Even if he didn't dislocate his finger, Portland looked gassed last night. We got bad news. One of their other starters, Collins, is out what, for the he's year. He's a starter? Collins is a starter, yes. How many minutes he play a game? He's like a 15-minute, 20-minute guy. So so doesn't sound like it means much. It normally wouldn't, but Portland isn't a deep team. So because of that, it is a factor. But I got to tell you, RJ, Nurkic looked a little slow. McCollum has a back injury. He looked slow. The entire Portland team, absolutely disappointed. This was not so much about the Lakers playing well, in my opinion. Anthony Davis played well, not the Lakers. But Portland played a horrible game. And then, of course, their star player got injured on top of it. So here's the question. Are you potentially reacting with too much emotion? Because what we do know is this. In every series, I mean, think back to some of those uh, Celtics-Lakers classics in the 80s. Mm-hmm. One get, you know, L.A. comes in, loses by 43 with no air conditioning. Next game, they win by 20. I mean, it's a heavyweight fight at this NBA level where if you have competitive teams... They're exchanging haymakers. And think back to anyone's title that didn't sweep. Usually there's one game in the finals that they look horrible. So when the Blazers have played, this is the first game of 10. They played 10 games in the bubble now, right? Eight before and two in the playoffs. Three in the playoffs because they had to play Memphis to get in. Oh, good point. So 11 games and they've had one bad one. Yes. So, uh oh, I'm worried. They have one bad out of 11. By this count, you know, come October, they're going to have another bad. I mean, like, what, other than the injury, isn't this, you, aren't you really telling the nation, Steve, that you didn't really like Portland to start with? And all it took was one loss that didn't look good 
that you're going to jump ship. Well, here's what was most disconcerting. I don't think the Lakers played well at all. I don't think so, we so got the, the Lakers. So what's the definition of playing well? Because I know when Anthony Davis does 30 or more, you usually don't like it. <laughs> so explain to me what, what is the metric you're using for not playing well. All right, so I watched the game. Anthony Davis was a beast. LeBron underperformed. LeBron right, was so nothing hold special. Hold on a second. He, did he need, I mean, he had 10.7 assists, 6 rebounds. How many shots did he have? Right? Did he go four for 30? No. Okay, so how many shots? I mean, so I'm confused. If LeBron can actually not use a ton of energy, distribute the ball around, and get a win, that seems like LeBron played a hell of a game, right? Well, he... the, here's the thing we don't have to have affirmation that LeBron's good. That's the weird thing about playoff basketball, two things happen at once every game, as you know. One, the teams potentially get reevaluated. But that's a small piece of the puzzle. How much are you going to change a team after a whole year on one game? The other factor is you now have to win one more game, or if you won, one less game to win four out of seven. Are you really going to down? I mean, other than the injury, and we can decide how we're going to address that. If you play one bad game out of eleven, unless there's something that's fundamentally changed, why be so worried? Because LA got open threes all night long, and they really didn't make very many. That's of them. what a bad game is. Yeah. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. On Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. What do you think, Jonas? I think that the Lakers maybe didn't play as well as they're possibly capable of, but I think their defense has been really impressive the past two games against Portland. Uh, it's the worst Portland's looked, and I think a lot of that is due to because of the Lakers' defense. It's the worst Dame Lillard look before the injury. That's due to the Lakers' defense. So maybe offensively they're still not finding and sinking all together, and LeBron didn't have a big point output and didn't have a big statistical output, but the fact that they still won by 20-plus and LeBron didn't play quote-unquote that well, I think might be problematic for other teams in the West. And I agree for sure that LeBron didn't play that well. He had 4 for 11 on field goals, uh, 0 for 4 from threes, and, and here's it, 6 turnovers. So not great. I agree. But we don't reevaluate LeBron because of that. And I think the one thing that would give you some hope here is that we figured the Blazers would get tired at some point. And what thought was it might have been game one. Mm-hmm. When they didn't, you know how the emotions are at that point. It's like if you got to win one, you know, when you used to be, you know, a finance guy, an actuary, you had some big report due, you worked three nights up to 1 30 in the morning. What happens to that adrenaline after you get, you successfully submit that big report? Ah, you can feel it seeping out of you, right? Yes. If there was ever a time for a letdown spot, it's so funny. Jonas, yesterday we were talking about, and I'm R.J. Bell, we're straight out of Vegas, how some guys in the media, no matter what they see, <laughs> will stick to their take. And what did I say about Fezzik? <laughs> I said, he gets so scared, he's wrong, he starts to backtrack. Let's, let's agree to the following. If I said this leading the show, if there's ever been a team this season that was due for a letdown after upsetting the Lakers and getting in the playoffs, it would be the Blazers. Yeah, that's certainly true. 
You know why I'm doing this, Jonas? I want to get his hopes back up so when they get crushed, we can see him get depressed again. You're just going to look to win another bet against me. So let's look at the odds. So before, Fez, before this game, the percentage chance of the Blazers winning was what? 33%. So one out of three, I think that is. Let me see. Yep. The odds now? 15%. That's less than half. <laughs> so, how much of that is Dame's finger? How much of that is the series is now 1-1 and the Lakers look good? I think it's about 50-50. Okay. So, about 15% you think of this is on his finger. Yes. Okay. I... I agree. First of all, if you actually look at the Blazers, as I said when you made your pick, shockingly, there were computer ratings that I trust that had the Blazers downgraded from the eight games they played in the bubble, which seems crazy, but a lot of it was them winning games by two that they should have won by three based on the the spread, and it was just so exciting, it felt bigger than it was, right? So to me, I, I I was impressed with the results, but I, I just didn't see, and, and I think it could be the Blazers would come together as a team, which they obviously did with that first round or first game win. I just am flabbergasted, other than the finger, that if you split two games and you're a big underdog, your odds are supposed to improve, right? Because you weren't supposed to split the two, so now to win three out of five is easier for the worst team, the lesser team, than to win four out of seven. So, other than, do you agree that's generally the case? Absolutely. And you think it's all just Dame? What else could it be? Collins is out, but he's not that significant. <laughs> could you imagine, like, like a Blazers fan just got his hand in his head, you know, head in his hand? Yeah. I, I, wonder if, I wonder if it's because they're not going back to Portland for games three and four. Well, but I, I mean, that's. It's all known, you know. Yeah, but it's an interesting point. If we're looking at the typical seven-game series that I'm comparing it to, if you split the first two, that now means you have more games at home. Right. Yeah, I mean, you're making an interesting point in that how much of that has to do, you know, you've effectively, the underdog effectively has home court at that point. Because I don't think Dame's finger is really the cause of this. It's his non-shooting hand. I don't think that it's nothing. I think that it is noteworthy, but it's his non-shooting hand, and it's Dame Lillard. He's going to play regardless. I think last night looked bad to a lot of people, and they've seen two games in a row that Portland offensively is not the same against this Laker defense. Yeah, but when you win one of them, it's pretty good. So I would agree. Great point, Jonas. And but I think that's a, you know the extra home game usually versus all neutral is going to be a small difference. Mm-hmm. I mean I don't know, Fed. It's not more than twenty or thirty cents. You think? I th- actually think yes. Well, how much would you say? I think it'd be like forty cents. Yeah. So yeah. perhaps forty cents. But the actual move we were talking percentages. What, were the, what was the Blazers' uh, take back before and now? 20% chance to win before the series started. Yeah, but I'm saying the take back, the actual financial... They were plus 360 before the series started. And plus 362? 
Now it's plus 450. Okay. And you're wow. saying about 30, 40 cents of that has to do with it being neutral court, whereas typically it wouldn't be. Yes. If there's a split. Mm-hmm. Great point, Joan. It's coming in strong there. Well, so even after they get a game, they're worse off? Yeah, than, that's, that's that's what I was surprised yeah, by. It's a little but, crazy. But you make an interesting point, right? Is typically that split would give them home court. It doesn't here. I think that's a factor. Yeah. And I think Dame's a factor. And I also think this. The Sharps really haven't been on the Blazers as far as I can see. I mean, you tell me. I mean, if you looked at... The series price, you look, I mean, how did you see the sharpness coming? I mean, I know you were on the Blazers. Yeah, the Sharps did not come in on the Blazers. If anything, when I saw the tickets and the like, it was the public, which always scares me. It was the public that was betting the Blazers. And listen, if I think, when I think of public, I think of Steve Fezzik. So, I mean, like to me, that, that works perfectly. I am Elma J. Foot, millionaire. I own a mansion and a yacht. But he's a man of the people, Jonas. Last thing on this. Pregame.com, McKenzie in research has an interesting one. Blazers change hotels the night before the game. So, why did they change hotels? Because there's only 16 teams left, so they're consolidating. Mm-hmm. So, they moved, I think, over to the, the Grand Floridian. and So, this wasn't a sign of some discontent. It was an upgrade, effectively. Yes, but still a disruption to have to yeah, move. Yeah, but I... I don't think that would... I'm guessing all the guys didn't have the bags like Chevy Chase and Vacation. <laughs> yeah. so, so, But I thought potentially if there was some tumult, could have been a problem, but I don't think so. Lillard lost his executive suite. Are you joking now? No, I'm serious. He had, he had an upgraded suite. How do you know about this? I was listening to NBA, you know, dot com, and they were... Talking about the NBA TV. And you still played the Blazers. <laughs> Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Let's talk about these second tier favorites. So I think, well, it's objectively true. The first tier Lakers, Clippers, Bucks. Now they were all about three to one, and there's been a move there that's surprising. Let's set that aside for a second. The next tier, we've got Boston, we've got Toronto, and we've got Houston. Teams that I think everyone agrees have a chance to win it. But remember, NBA seven-game series typically, not in the bubble, typically the better team wins more often than any other sport, any other playoffs. Why? Seven games, first of all. Well, baseball, seven. Hockey, seven. True, but the amount of luck there is in a baseball game, one swing of the bat, three runs, let's say, or he just goes foul and strikes out the next one, that's three out of maybe 10 runs in a game, 30%. What kind of play in the NBA is more than three points out of 200 plus? So it, And then in hockey, we know how streaky that is. Sure. And it, each goal is one-fifth or whatever of the, of the uh, scoring. So, if you go back and look at the title winners, it's like literally Larry Bird, Michael Jordan, Magic, Hakeem. There's like nine people that's been like on 85% of the title teams like for 40 years. This is the year. Why? I think we have some compromised and, you know, rickety leaders or, or title favorites. No one looks that good. 
And I think we got some really tenacious second-tier teams, Toronto, Boston, Houston, but it's the variance. Who knows what factors are affecting things? Just yesterday, we were saying Lakers in the bubble. Maybe that's a problem. Now they look good, but who knows? And the market agrees. Toronto, just when the bubble started, 20 to 1 to win the title, 8 to 1. 8 to 1. Boston was 18 to 1, 10 to 1. Houston, 16 to 1, 12 to 1. So literally, you've got Milwaukee, Lakers, Clippers, then Toronto at 8 to 1, Boston at 10 to 1, Houston at 12 to 1. That six teams, 12 to 1 or less. I haven't seen that in the NBA maybe ever, Faz. Can you think of it? I cannot, and what a change in the narrative, right, when we were talking about the big three. Which one of the big three was going to win when we headed to the bubble, and now all of a sudden this thing is looking more and more wide open? I haven't heard you talking about your Milwaukee ticket as much. Yeah, and I was. it's funny, I was touting that ticket at 3-1, right? You talked about it like 9, 10, 11 times. <laughs> yeah. Well, think of it like this. One game. If we played them 10 times, they might win 9 but not this game. Not tonight. Well, actually, if you only win one out of ten, it's not going to help you with that. <laughs> with the Blazers either, actually. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to go back to the Blazers. Who, If you had a free roll right now, and I'm going to ask Jonas the same question, meaning you picked the team and McKenzie was going to give you 10000 if that team wins, who do you take? Milwaukee. Uh-huh. Jonas? <laughs> any team. I could have any team. Not the Globe Trotters, yes, okay. but any team. I would probably say Milwaukee as well. Ooh, I would too. Here's what's fascinating. I mean, they've been three to one, all three of these teams. I mean, pretty much from the bubble. I mean, pretty much from March. Right now, Lakers four to one. So the market's saying, yeah, they look good, but it was more anti Blazers, it seems, fast than pro Lakers. Mm-hmm. Milwaukee plus three fifty. Would you get their ticket at? Three to one. So if you just played it now, you'd be better off than all the people who followed you. Yes. Okay. <laughs> the LA Clippers plus 250. So somehow, some way, the Clippers, what they've done in the playoffs specifically, because we all know the bubble didn't count, has got them like people particularly excited about the Clippers. Doesn't make a lot of sense considering they barely cover against Dallas game one where Porzingis got hurt. Well, was ejected. So the um, so he was absent for the two quarters. And if you look at the margin in the six quarters they've had Porzingis, Dallas has dominated. And in the two quarters they didn't, they lost significantly. Does I mean, hey, that could be an aberration. But the NBA X's and O's guys are telling me, or I'm hearing specifically, that. The matchup edge the Clippers had in the regular season with the great wing defenders mm-hmm. and that being uh, Dallas's strong suit offensively, that Carlisle is doing things that just are turning it on its head and it feels repeatable. It doesn't feel like they just shot the lights out. It feels repeatable. And I, once again, I'm going to ask this question. Where is the proof that Paul George performs in the NBA playoffs, when the stakes are highest, is one of the key players on the team. We went back all the way back to against the Heat with the Pacers. He was one of the, the uh, you know of many in that, and he played fine. But 
this is all if, if somehow Paul George was out, no one would have the Clippers as the favorite. This is about Paul George. And I, I'm not saying he can't do well. I'm saying history doesn't give us any indication of that. What do you think, John? And I also think that his he was icing up his shoulder. That was another storyline that started to develop after. I think it was game one or game two that he was dealing with a little bit of a, a sore shoulder issue, and that was uh, the same shoulder he had surgery on in the offseason, the same one that caused him to miss the first, I want to say, 10 to 12 games of the regular season. So you're wondering whether or not that's starting to break down again. So, yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot of questions with the Clippers. This is not going to be an, a, an easy role to advance to the next round at all. My grandfather passed away a couple years ago. When he was 93, he was still working out. He had less injuries <laughs> than it seems like everyone on the Clippers. <laughs> I mean, like literally they all, I mean, Beverly, he didn't play in game two. What was the reason for that? I've been hearing about how when this team gets together, yeah, it's like when the calendar says like um, 06, 06, 06. I mean, it happens like once a century or whatever. I don't get it, but the market is saying Clippers. I know, Fez, we know that the futures market is mostly square money. It's the Joes out there batting it. But when there's a move like this, does this feel public to you, or do you think the pros are stepping in? It feels like a reaction to the fact that both the number one seeds lost their first game and everyone looked at the Clippers and they said, you know what? Here's a team that should be getting better and better because of all those different pieces coming together with more reps together. And I, I think you made a great point on the show yesterday. You talked about Kawhi Leonard and how the feeling, oh, well, Kawhi is just, he, he single-handedly won the title last year. Toronto would have no chance without him. Well, Toronto's pretty good without him, right? Yeah, and it's with everyone they had. Without Kawhi, does it, listen. I don't think they would have had a chance because Kawhi's mentality was so key to them. But that was a piece of the puzzle. Whereas he'll have that same mentality. But is Paul George and these other alphas on the Clippers as open to letting Kawhi lead them? It felt like Toronto said, "Show us the way," and he did. It doesn't feel like these guys are saying, "Show us the way, Kawhi." Maybe they got a chance to win it. I'm skeptical. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Now, we have many, many new listeners since last season, but longtime listeners know this sound. It means there's a crossfire. There's no doubt I'm betting against Fez on this one. Go ahead, Fez. Wow. Cleveland Browns under eight and a half. Best bet for me. Cleveland Browns, an organization with a history of losing. It's been terrible. Cleveland, 12 straight losing years. Oh, 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 hold on, hold on. Jonas, did you get this? I got it. The Browns historically aren't great. Yes. Yet, for whatever reason, people love betting on the Browns. We saw people betting on the Browns seemingly on a weekly basis when they were winning zero and one games. Look, at last year, the Browns season win number was nine coming into the year. Lots of hype, lots of weapons translated to only six wins. The Browns, for whatever reason, are seemingly overrated in the betting marketplace every year. I don't have to say anything. (laughs) I mean, 
I'm officially, for the rest of the show, you're the Joe. Jonas is sharp. <laughs> I mean, literally, your analysis was a couple years ago, the Sharps liked the Browns, and you think there's just a natural propensity towards them. There's something about the Browns and that crappy uniform and that goofy color they got, on the, the, the brownish color, that they're like, well, I, I'm attracted to that somehow. I'm just going to bet them mindlessly. Well, they got sexy weapons. They got Beckham. They got Landry. And they got Baker Mayfield that's always making good commercials. And for whatever reason, the betters seem to gravitate to this team. I'm going to turn his mic off for one minute. Say something. Can't hear him, can you? <laughs> yeah. All right. Settle in. This is absurd what he's doing. This is the year to bet the Browns. You know why? Because last year, everyone did. did oh, I was going to ask him if he did, but his mic's off. I'm going to turn it had. Did you have the Brown season win last year? I played it under. Oh, I'm, all right. <laughs> so what happens most of the time is, oh, look, everyone gets excited about the Browns, and then they lose. Next year, do you want to bet the Browns? Not with your money, I wouldn't bet the Browns. Jonas, I'm guessing you've had that experience, right? Uh, yeah, I've had that experience. I, 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 I'm the opposite this year with the Browns. Opposite of me or of Fez? Of uh, uh, Fez. I think this well, is the year. Yeah, because you're the sharp right now. <laughs> and here's the rationale. The things that everyone liked about the Browns last year are even more so this year. As in, you've got all those weapons still, still young. Baker's a year more mature. I don't think he's going to be a great quarterback. I think he's going to be better than last year. When by his own admission, he wasn't as focused as he should have been. The big problem with a shorter quarterback, the press in the middle of the line. Center, guard, guard, improvement on the line. Baker gets some time. It will be more like his rookie year. He was pretty good. New coach, upgrade for sure. And I only got to go 9-7, and seven, so the Browns don't have to make the play. I just got to be slightly better than 500. With a team that might have as much talent as any in the league, or that's a little much, as much young talent as any in the league. And I only got to win nine. I'm over. I'll give you a closing 30 seconds. Oh, you, I, you I do just, think you bring up a great point. Will Baker Mayfield have happy feet in the pocket? Because with Conklin coming in with first-round draft pick Willis, if he stays in the pocket, that will absolutely— Well, when you're 5'9", you can't stay in the pocket when they're coming up the middle. They will, hopefully, they won't be this year. Because he's rolled into pressure for two years now. Jonas, what's your main take on, on the Brown season? Uh, I'm unsure about Pittsburgh. I think Baltimore's the best team in the division, but I think Cleveland's the second best. I like their roster, and I think they're going to simplify things. I don't think Stefanski's going to go in there and try and give Baker too much, and I think he's going to play much better football because I think he knows he has to. Now, it would be a valid point to say betting on any COVID, in this COVID offseason, betting on any first-year coach might be a tough thing to do. So I'm concerned about that. I do think the simplicity of the system helps. I'm over nine or eight and a half. Fez is under on the Browns. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. 